Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Today is Good Friday. That will be language that will be confusing to people who do not believe. So it confounds the wisdom of the wise to just describe a day as good upon which our Savior died. But that is the very power of the gospel um, for those who believe. And so today, you have to be a translator of information. You have to, um, you have to help the rest of the culture who does not understand what happened on a place called Calvary, a hill called Golgotha in a city named Jerusalem more than 2,000 years ago. You have to be the translator of that. You have to be the ambassador of the king and the kingdom. You have to be the one that translates why they would have put a sign over his head that said king of the Jews. You, you have to be the translator. You have to be the one who says, God actually told us in advance everything that was going to happen. You have to take people to Psalm 22 today. You have to, you have to show them that far in advance of the events of this day, far in advance of the death of the Savior of the world, God told us what would happen. Jesus uh, forecast his own death. Uh, we, we call them passion predictions. They happen in every gospel multiple times. You have to be the one that walks people to those places in the Bible today. So yes, we are absolutely going to walk with Christ to the cross, and we are going to um, experience again the excruciating reality, what it cost God to be in a restored relationship with you and I. The price he paid for our sin, the way he paid off our debt, lots of ways for you to articulate um, what happens at the cross. But be sure that you serve today as the one who translates why this day is good and why it points to a God who is so great and gracious. Many of our brothers and sisters are fasting and praying today. Um, If you were to Google Good Friday prayer fasting resources, you would be taken to material that is being used by denominations across the United States and around the world today. Our friends in the uh, Evangelical Presbyterian Church, our friends at the National Association of Evangelicals, our friends in the uh, Anglican Church North America— Um, our friends in the Presbyterian Church of America, I mean, on and on and on and on. Lots of folks participating today in uh, in a unified Good Friday prayer and fasting event. I just want to invite you to check that out. I also want you to consider your Easter weekend plans. Tonight, I would encourage you to watch the sunset and then keep silence. Watch the sunset and then keep silence. Um, Close the Bible. I know that sounds so strange, but the Word of God 
who took on flesh to dwell among us, dies today. And the silence is deafening. When a tomb is sealed, it seems as if the enemy has won. Darkness has prevailed. The light has been snuffed out. Death wins. You and I know that's not true because we know what follows. But let us live over, uh, over the hours between the death of Jesus and his resurrection. Let us live in the darkness and the quiet and the silence. What would it be like for there to be no word among us? Turn out the lights. Tomorrow morning, get up in the dark. Sunday morning, watch the sunrise. S-U-N, and celebrate the sunrise, S-O-N, and share that good and great reality with everyone else. Next up, I've got Jared Wellman. He's the pastor of Tate Springs Baptist Church. They have come up with an extremely wonderful and innovative way to not only uh, bless the children of their own congregation, but every child on the face of the earth with a virtual, a virtual Easter egg hunt. Esports has come alongside because it, the response has been so overwhelming. This is a great, innovative, wonderful, wonderful opportunity for all of us to engage together in something really joyful. Uh, next up, Jared Wellman here on Mornings with Carmen. Now, Pastor Jared Wellman. He is the pastor of the Tate Springs Baptist Church. Jared, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Glad to be here. All right, give us a little geography. Where is Tate Springs? So Tate Springs is in Arlington. Arlington is where the Cowboys play, the Texas Rangers play. We are right in the middle of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. So we pretty much kind of, we're one of the main cities that kind of serve as like a bridge between those two um, well-known cities. All right, and you are serving as a bridge between the real world and virtual reality. <laughs> We're trying to. <laughs> totally the way that I um, I am receiving um, this really great idea. Tell people about the virtual Easter egg hunt. So in a nutshell, um, you know, as the story goes, uh, we, just like basically every church, we've moved all of our services indefinitely online. And so um, we pre-record those. Uh, for Sunday, just because it's easier to stream and to manage that. And, um, and so one Sunday morning, I, I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, a one-year-old, and we all try to cuddle up on the couch and, and watch, you know, which is really weird, kind of preaching it yourself. Uh, it takes preaching to the choir to a whole new level. And um, so anyways, my kids were really antsy. And, but then later in the day, uh, they, I noticed we put on like a Mr. Rogers form and they were really calm. And I thought, man, we had, even though we were doing kids programming online during the week, we had lost with, uh, our moving to online, we had lost the ability to engage them on Sunday mornings. And so I went to our family pastor and I said, you know, on Easter, especially, we just need to think of some, some kind of scavenger hunt, a uh, virtual scavenger hunt or something. Maybe we direct them to the website and they download like a game PDF and then there's stuff happening in the background and they just have to like look for it and then check it off. And I said, I don't know what it is, but we have to do something to keep them engaged and something for them to look forward to. So he came back a few days later and he said, I have the idea. 
And I said, what is it? And then he said, a virtual egg hunt. And I, my first reaction was that is genius, you know? And so, um, he has two teenage sons They're I think one's a senior, one's a sophomore. And so they're into Minecraft. And so they started running with the idea. And we have some people in our church who are really tech savvy and helped us set up our own private server. And then of course, after that, it just kind of blew up into, um, to really more of a national event now, but, but that's kind of the origin of it. Okay, so if people go to Tate Springs altogether, tatesprings.com backslash Minecraft, they're going to get the landing page. Um, tell, tell us what happens. Like if I were to sign up, what's going to happen? Tell, tell people what the process is going to be. So right now when you sign up, no, nothing happens except that we get, um, we get the information and then we, we follow up. It's really – it's a pretty simple process, and there's there, – the reason for that is because we've only had a couple weeks to set it up and it was supposed to be a local event just for our people in our community, just like a on-campus egg hunt would be. But what we noticed is people f- from all over started signing up and then um, it went from there. But the uh, but right now when you sign up, we get your information and um, your, uh, your we have to what's called whitelist you um, just because safety and security is important. We don't want just to open up the server to the world where anybody and everybody can get in. No, this is really it's, good. So because we had a we actually have um, we had Kimberly Norris on just I feel like it was just yesterday. Um, and she and we were actually talking about like, OK, there's all these like great, fantastic, innovative ideas out there right now. But don't just log on to just anything because it puts your kids you know, exactly. in view of people that you don't really want having access to your kids. So that was why I wanted to ask the question in that way. Yeah. Because the reality is if I sign up right now, nothing happens because I haven't yeah. been whitelisted yet. And so that's yeah. actually really positive. I want people to know that this is a safe environment, um, that they can they can trust that when their kids engage in this virtual Easter egg hunt, um, it's going to be a safe place um, for Absolutely. them to be. Um, yeah. Let's Let's take a very brief break, Jared. Um, and when sure. we come back... Um, let's tell people who are not familiar with Minecraft, let's tell them what this experience is going to be like um, so that they can kind of get excited about sharing this information with those who have kids. Uh, so I'm talking yeah. with Pastor Jared Wellman. He is the pastor of Tate Springs Baptist Church. We have a virtual Easter egg hunt. It's happening on Minecraft, and it's being shared with everybody. It's so exciting. We'll be right back. He took the scars, felt the pain. All right, this is really fun. I want you to check it out, tatesprings.com backslash Minecraft. I am talking with Pastor Jared Wellman. He is the lead pastor at Tate Springs Baptist Church. It is in uh, Arlington, Texas. But this is being offered to everybody because it's happening in virtual reality. It's happening online. It's happening on a platform called Minecraft. Um, Jared, again, thank you so much for being with us today. For listeners who have heard the term Minecraft but have never entered into the world of Minecraft, tell them tell them a little bit about it and then how kids are going to experience this virtual Easter egg hunt when they enter in. Sure. So Minecraft is a um, – it's just a really simple building game. It's um, it's one of the most simple – and I think that's why it's it's become so popular because essentially what Minecraft is is you – it's got really like eight bit graphics, you, so it looks like the Atari, but maybe which some some may remember is one of the old 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 you know game systems, but it maybe even worse. It's just like a 
it's really simple graphics. But you log when you go into the world, you're just standing there, and there's this whole created world. And what you can do is you can start kind of building. You can take, you can kind of dig the ground, and and everything's in blocks. And so you just use uh, little little squares, and you can just start building anything. And people are super creative in this game. And just as a side note, I think one reason the game is so popular is because it taps into the image of God and man, which is that we were made in God's image to be creators, you know. And so you can go into this world and you can tap into that in a really fun and creative way. And so uh, now from that from that foundation, what you can do is you can you can have your own private servers, you can change settings. So the game is not really scary, but um, or but it has some scary things at certain levels, like survival mode. There maybe there are wolves or things. So it's really easy to take all of those things out whenever you have your own private server. And that's what we've done. We've ta- we've taken out all the scary stuff, and so it's just a really fun, um, a really fun creative uh, server. And then what you can do is you can build things, and you can set up like you can set up whatever you want. So, uh, like we've built water slides, for example, in our own private server that we use for like a Bible study right now. Uh, but for the Easter event, we'll set up like games and then put eggs around. And uh, and so when a when a kid logs in. They'll start at a uh, at a starting area, and then they'll receive the rules, and then they just go have fun, and they can go play the games just like it is like on any video game. Uh, but it's you know kid friendly, and then there'll be the Easter eggs as well. All right. So, is there like a on your mark, ready, set, go start to the virtual Easter egg hunt? Well, th- yes and no, because we as the event has been evolving. Uh, right. We've expanded it into a three-hour event because um, because now we're we're re- reaching people on on the west and the east, and so you know we wanted to basically have a time where they can log in. But so essentially, what will happen is you'll log in, and then there'll be like a starting area, and there'll be there'll be rules there, and you can just kind of uh, you'll you'll be guided to the place that you need to go. Uh, in different ways, and still we're, we're still working through a lot of those technical things. Uh, I think by the end of by the end of today, we should have all of that set up. Uh, but yes, there'll be there'll be like signs to guide you where to go and and where to go and how to go there. This is such a um, it's it's such an innovative idea. It's such a blessing to people. Um, on behalf of everybody who's going to have a kid participating in the virtual Easter egg hunt, let me say thank you. I have a Minecraft. Um, I don't even know what you call them when your kid is kind of obsessed with it, but um, I have one of those in my house. And so this is really, uh, really exciting. And we just really appreciate it, right? It's a way um, to tap in to both kids' desire to do something fun, um, but also the gospel opportunity. There's a real mission field in video games. Um, Oh, man. I mean, right? I mean, there's a real mission field there. Um, you have partnered, or esports has partnered with you. Could you just speak to that briefly? Yeah. So uh, what happened was it when it started as you know just a, a way for us to to reach our people in our community um, because it was online. And we and we just put the form up. We didn't really stipulate anything. Uh, we didn't even think about it. You know, we had no idea that it was just it was people f- were going to be interested in it at this level. But when they were, we started asking the question, what are we going to do? Do we, you know, do we open this up? You know, and it started getting bigger than what we had anticipated because the server can only hold upwards of around 100 people. And so uh, there was a report from with our family pastor where they asked him the question. They said, you know, uh, about how he's going to pull it off. And he made some kind of comment about I'm not sure if we're going to be able to. Well, National Esports Association was reading that 
and they host these kinds of things. And uh, and so they reached out. They said, listen, we saw the report. We just want to offer to help host this thing. That way you can worry about the ministry side and we'll worry about all the tech side. And, and so we had a, a Zoom conversation with them. It seemed like a beautiful partnership. And from there, we're already talking about uh, the mission field of how can we take so, you know, like think of upwards in church, the church world with basketball, soccer and things like that. How can we take this concept uh, and come out of this pandemic uh, with an idea to reach people in the virtual world and in virtual ways, not just through an annual Easter egg hunt, but like in esports in general? Because there's a lot of kids out there that are 10 or 11 years old who can't really shoot a basketball well, but they can log on their Xbox and they can shoot a basketball really good on the Xbox. And those are actually becoming um, jobs now like the Dallas Mavericks have here in our town. They have a esports basketball league. So we want to we want to tap into that mission field. And we believe that God's up to something really special here with all of that. That's very cool. All right. So um, for those of you who are out there and you're skeptical, let me just go ahead and say Minecraft is a mission field um, like many of us would never have even begun to imagine because it's just not the digital world is not native to us, but it is native to emerging generations. Um, I know of a student who is intentionally um, on Minecraft. He's old enough to be engaged in this way and spiritually mature enough. Everywhere that he sees that somebody has built something that he regards as naughty. So let's say they've built a casino or they've built a liquor store or they've built a, you know, some sort of other thing on Minecraft. He builds a church next to it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just saying like, right, there are ways to take your faith into this space that are really, really creative um, we look forward to the follow-up. We look forward to, to hearing um, how God uses this, not only short-term, but long-term. Um, we know you've got work to do today on this, so thank you for the way you're shepherding your flock, and thank you for the way that you are inviting others in. This is a real gift. So again, yeah. uh, Jared Wellman, thank you so much. You guys can visit Tate Springs, that's plural, tatesprings.com backslash Minecraft to get all the information you need about the virtual Easter egg hunt. Jared, thanks for being with us today on Mornings with Carmen. Yeah, thank you for having me. What a blessing. We'll be right back. All right, how fun was that? All right, next up, I've got another pastor. His name is Pete Santucci. He currently serves as a hospital chaplain in Bend, Oregon. We're going to talk with Pete about um, what that's like to walk the halls of, uh, of a hospital in these days, um, what it's like to be serving those who are serving others and also serving families who cannot visit their own, um, you know, their own sick relatives. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Psalms. Pete has written the book, Psalms Every Day, uh, Everyday Psalms. He also uh, blogs at PeteSantucci.com. So my conversation with Pete up next. Kids make mistakes, sometimes really stupid mistakes. But when your team messes up, do you come unglued? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I find that too many Christian families have a love affair with perfectionism. And that means when a teen does something wrong, it either ignites an ugly altercation or worse yet, it gets silently swept under the carpet like nothing happened. When mistakes are made, how about saying something like this? Son, 
you don't have to perform for me, then say this, Son, I won't leave you when you do something wrong. They're some of the most healing words spoken in families today. Next time your kid goofs up, try practicing grace. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find encouragement through articles, books, and more at parentingtodaysteens.org. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. I am pleased to welcome this morning Pete Santucci. Uh, Pete is a friend. He is also a pastor. He's a hospital chaplain in Bend, Oregon, and he is the author of a book entitled Everyday Psalms. Pete, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Great to be with you, Carmen. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. I want to I talk with you about a range of topics today, um, your experience as a hospital chaplain, what's your experience in, you know, as a dad at home with kids. Um, but let's start with the book, Everyday Psalms, which I'm going to encourage people to check out your blog at PeteSantucci.com. They can also connect there with the book. The book is Everyday Psalms. Talk about the connection um, between the Psalms and the times in which we're living. Oh, man. Yeah, that, this, is, this is a time to be reading the Psalms. I mean, every time is a time to be reading the Psalms, but boy, in the, the middle of of crisis in the middle of turmoil personally and nationally and globally. Um, the Psalms just give us a language um, and a range of response to God that personally I just don't have in my own praying life. Um, so so the Psalms just give us this, this, this incredible vocabulary um, and um, range of prayer that, um, that takes us deeper um, and broader in our praying. When you think about everyday psalms and praying psalms every day and everyday people doing that, the psalms, I mean, they're just initially the prayers of of everyday people who are communicating the concerns of their life, um, and they're doing so with the knowledge of the character of who God is. Just talk a little bit about your experience of entering into the psalms as a book of everyday prayers. For me, I, one of the things that the, the Psalms did was was give me extra extra words, um, extra emotions that um, that I, I realized were acceptable to God in prayer. Just the, the difficulties that that we encounter in life, and that there's there's so many of them that um, we just don't know how to pray. Um, so in in my um, hospital chaplaincy work. Um, I encounter people who um, get sick and are are frustrated with God, but don't know how to to give voice to that. And so, um, so I often take them to the Psalms and say, you know, there's a psalm here where where David expresses his frustration with God, um, and God accepts that. Um, God can handle uh, what you're going through and the feelings that you you have as you pray. Um, so so go ahead and pray it. Let's um let's talk about some of the experiences that you're having there as a hospital chaplain. Again, I'm talking with Pete Santucci. He lives in Bend, Oregon. He serves as a hospital chaplain. He's also the author of Everyday Psalms. You can easily find it by going to PeteSantucci 
dot com. Pete, we've got we've got concerns in our hearts for the emotions and the levels of stress that people are experiencing related to the coronavirus. We've we've obviously been praying for caregivers and other people on the front lines who are responding to covid. Um, But I, I really have this like rising concern for not only people who are suffering alone in hospital rooms and in hospitals because their families cannot come visit them, but their families as well who cannot go and be with the people um, they most love in their time of greatest suffering. Talk about what you're experiencing as a hospital chaplain at the intersection of all of those realities. Well, that's that's so tough. I mean, at at this point in time, we we are accepting almost no visitors at all at the hospital, and um, and so yes, there there are patients who are just by themselves, but yeah, family members who who can't go visit. Um, so just earlier this week, I mean, I can't give details about it, but there was um, a, a young woman who was hospitalized, had to be air flighted to Portland. And um, so I had to tell tell her parents that there was really no point in, in them driving to Portland because um, the hospital there wouldn't allow them to to go visit her. Um, and she's you know she's looking at several weeks of of being in the hospital. So it just just really broke my heart to to be with with these parents who who just had to to say goodbye and and trust that their daughter would be okay and and not be able to see her. Mm. I'm also wondering how you, um, as a dad, right, you've got kids at home. You also have responsibility for your 94-year-old father. Um, How do you deal with the fear of contracting the virus in a hospital environment and then transmitting it to the people you love best? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, my dad is definitely a high risk. Um, So, yeah, so each each day, you know, I, I take off clothes in the garage when I get home. Um, things go straight into the washing machine. Shoes stay in the garage. Um, I take a shower, um, shave, just try to try to be as as clean as possible so that I, I don't bring anything into the house. And one of my dad's lived a good long life, and um, and he'll he'll go to be with the Lord when he dies. But I just don't want him to to go this way. I mean, I, you know, the respiratory uh, distress of coronavirus is is so tough on people. Um, yeah, um, doing everything we can to protect him and the rest of my family as well. Pete, we're certainly, um, we're praying for you. We're praying for others like you that are just literally on the front lines of this. I don't think people often consider hospital chaplains as really on um, the front lines in so many ways related to this. I want to return when we uh, when we come back from a very brief break. I want to return to this conversation about the Psalms. They do provide such a wide range of response to all of the emotions we're experiencing today. Um, We have talked before here on the program about Psalms of Lament, but I think I'm going to ask Pete about those as well. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation now with Pastor Pete Santucci. He serves as a hospital chaplain in Bend, Oregon. He is the 
author of Everyday Psalms, Ancient Prayers in Everyday Language. You can find it, um, well, you can find it where books are sold, but you can also just find Pete and the book at PeteSantucci.com. Santucci is spelled S-A-N-T-U-C-C-I. Um, Pete, let's talk about the Psalms of Lament. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's, what are they, or, or how do I identify one, um, and why are they particularly poignant right now? Yeah, so about about three quarters of the psalms have lament in them, and they, they just they start with 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 our trouble, um, and that that's that's where most of us start out in our praying. Um, that the, those those prayers that we pray that start out with help um, or please, and so asking God, you know, please enter into my circumstance and save me from this. Um, and what's what's interesting is is there's a number of these psalms of lament that that start from sickness and start from alienation um, and isolation. So, um, you know, plague and 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 the um, coronavirus sort of thing is that's not normal for us. But boy, um, these things have been normal for God's people throughout um, throughout history, and, and so we see them. Uh, in the Psalms, and we go, oh wow, th- there's language for me to pray um, in the middle of of this personal turmoil. Um, and so that there's um, Psalms like uh, Psalm 38, um, where um, the the Psalm writer David is feeling betrayed by God, um, and so he articulates this feeling of betrayal. Now, did God actually betray David? No. Um, but that's that's how David feels, and so so he tells God, "This is how I'm I'm feeling right now," um, and um, then he he walks through uh, his his circumstance, and God listens. Um, God ac- accepts it, um, and um, and as David prays, um, he comes to this this point of of being okay with where he's at and trusting that God will will um, deal with it. Um, one of the things that um, a scholar, uh, Walter Brueggemann, pointed out is that when the world gets upside down, the words that we use with God also get upside down. I mean, we should never be commanding God. And that's just not normal. Um, but what we find in the Psalms is that when when the world gets upside down, yeah, our prayers get upside down, and, and we're we're given this language of saying, God, do this. I, I want you to wake up and get busy and take care of what's wrong in the world and, and in my life. Um, and God responds. Yeah, God doesn't hold us against us that we uh, that we pray in ways that reveal the depth of our pain and our need. Um, I have written in the margin of my Bible next to Psalm 38. This yeah. is the dis-ease. These are the dis-ease pleas. Of faith, yeah, right. So there's there's a pleading here because of the disease, physical disease in the body, but the disease that is experienced, um, you know, by the believer in the midst of this, and it's not unfaithful to um, to tell God how we feel. He well, he already knows. Like some of this is we're telling God what he already knows, yeah, which is, yeah, uh, but it's honest. These are honest prayers. Well, and yeah, and the thing is, we're already feeling these things, and so if we hold back, then 
then we're, we're just holding this against God. Um, but when, when we pray, we put it out there and we give it to God. We give our feelings, we give our circumstances to God, and we say, these are now in your hands. You, you, do, you deal with them. Yeah, and he can. And I think that's the, you know, that's putting it all in the right place, right? God can handle so much. Uh, well, he can handle everything, and he can certainly handle what we cannot. Uh, and so just um, appreciate the ways in which you you help us enter into these psalms and walk through them. Tell us what you're doing in, in the book, Everyday Psalms, Ancient Prayers in Everyday Language. What are we going to experience when we open it up? Um. You're going to experience just this, these gritty, earthy prayers in language that, um, that you and I use on a daily basis. Um, all, all translations, all the major translations we have are really, really good. Um, they, they do great justice to, to the Hebrew. Um, one of the, the tough things, though, is um, by trying to be faithful to the Hebrew text in English, um, they they just don't end up as as great poetry. Um, I mean, the King James great poetry, but not in current language. And so, so one of my goals was that let's let's make the Psalms, let's give them room to breathe, um, let's give the poetry room to breathe. And so, um, so it's not a word for word translation. I refer to these as renderings. I mean, my goal is to keep the idea the same, but also the feeling the same that these that the psalms convey. And so, um, so I, I use more modern imagery and just an everyday language um, that that you and I would have in in our normal conversations, uh, rather than biblical sounding language. So I like that you um, you tell us that you have written this. In uh, ordinary time, yeah. Um, tell people what that means, so that when they open this and they they are, they're looking for a specific date that you might be communicating, instead you just tell us that you wrote this in ordinary time, twenty twenty. Tell us what that is. Yeah. So, um, in in a number of churches that that uh, are a bit more liturgical, there are different times, uh, different seasons uh, of the year that um, are oriented toward. Um, uh, Advent or Lent um, or Pentecost um, that pick up times um, from the Christian calendar that um, reflects um, different times in um, in the the biblical account of of Jesus. But there there are also times uh, in this Christian year that are referred to as ordinary time, um, and that that's that's where we live and breathe um, most of our lives. It's just is just ordinary time. Um, and yeah, I, I love Advent. I love Lent. Um, and those times, um, they draw me close to Christ, but, but there are times when, when things are just basic and plain. And that's, that's where I want these Psalms to come uh, and connect with us in. I just love that. Uh, so the book is everyday Psalms. I would describe them as, uh, uh, everyday psalms for everyday people who are living an everyday life every day of the year. Uh, Pete describes it as ordinary time, and you and I live it each and every day. Pete Santucci, thanks for joining us today. Pete is a hospital chaplain in Bend, Oregon. He's also a dad, um, and he's an author. 
The book is Everyday Psalms. You can find Pete and the book at petesantucci.com. Pete, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Carmen. We'll be right back. Indeed, we are here because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We wouldn't be gathered as Christians. We wouldn't be Christians. There wouldn't be such a thing as a Christian were it not for this day and the coming of Christ into the world, second co-eternal member of the Trinity. Like He is a member of the Godhead, and he takes on human flesh to dwell among us. He is full of grace and truth. John recognizes him very early on um, in the gospel by the recognition of the one we know as John the Baptist, also the cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist, as recorded by John in his gospel, uh, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Today is the day the world understands what John the Baptist meant in that statement of recognition very, very early on. What John the Baptist meant is the Passover lamb is not what you thought it was. It's not who you thought. It is a who, not a what. Jesus is the lamb of God. He is the Passover lamb. And the plague of death brought into the world as a consequence of sin is undone on this day through the death of the one who is both fully God and fully man. Now, that is a confounding wisdom, but that's the nature of the wisdom of God. And so on this day, as we observe the events of Jesus's trials, his flogging, a crown of thorns, a purple robe, a sign designed to mock that declares the truth that this is the king of the Jews. On this day when Peter, whom we greatly love and whose words we read, whose gospel we read recorded by Mark, whose letters we read uh, in the New Testament, and whose acts we read as Luke recorded them in the book of Acts, Peter, Peter, the rock, as we witness him uh, denying Christ, even as Christ is suffering. We witness the crucifixion. We ask ourselves where we would have been, what we would have thought, what we would have said, what we might have done had we been there. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they hung him on a tree? Were you there when they laid him in a grave? Were you there? We were obviously not historically there, but today is the day that we revisit the events that create a hinge upon which all of human history now hangs. It's the, it's the redemptive hinge of history. That's what happens today on a cross through the Christ. And so um, let's hang it all there today. 
Let's take our sin to the cross. Let's take ourselves to the cross. Let's be people who walk with others to the cross. Let's make our way today. It's a very difficult journey. I acknowledge that. But let's make our way today to the cross because it is through the cross that the way is made for each of us to be in a restored, reconciled relationship with the Father through the sacrifice of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us make our way to the cross today because it is at the cross that the way is made. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. But all who come to him have access to the Father. So just acknowledge how amazingly gracious that invitation is. While it's true that the entry point is narrow, the door is singular, his name is Christ. While it is true that no one comes to the Father except by Christ, all are welcome to come. And today the door is opened. The veil is torn from top to bottom. God does the work. And on the cross, it is finished. What is finished? The consequences of sin in death and the power of sin in this life. It gets broken today through the broken body of Jesus Christ. Let's make our way to the cross because it is at the cross that God has made a way. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.